2: Put the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
3: All right, welcome in. We're with you all the way up until midnight. Another big win for the Red Sox is they've now won two of their last... Two series, two series wins in a row for the Sox after it took so long for them to do that. And obviously tonight, the story is Nick Pavetta, which this is a remarkable turnaround. You look at the month of April for Pavetta. He was legitimately one of the worst starting pitchers in the entirety of Major League Baseball. He was absolutely atrocious in April, 16 and a third innings in ERA over eight, 13 walks, 15 earned innings. And now after tonight's complete game, he's pitched 28 and a third in the month of May. He's given up just five earned, and he's walked one. Nick Pavetta, even when he was great for this team at times last year, I'm not saying that he was one of the elite pitchers in the sport, but when even when Pavetta was really good last year, he would have a propensity to walk the ballpark, and that just hasn't been Nick Pavetta as of late, which obviously this is a major development for this team. So now that we saw another good outing from Pavetta, Rich Hill has thrown the ball really well. It looks like Waka's on track to return from the IL, does it feel like this Red Sox team is about to take a run? 617-779-7937 the number. You'll hear from the manager, Alex Cora, in just a little bit here. And one of the reasons I point this out is the offense obviously has gotten going as well as of late. And Devers had a cold spell for about two weeks. And now he is one of the hottest hitters in the sport. J.D. Martinez has been outstanding. I know the hitting streak came to an end. And Bogarts has been pretty consistent all season long. But you look at the Red Sox in the month of May, their batting average is fifth in the sport. They're up to 258 this particular month. So the offense is going, and the starting pitching has been pretty good with the exception of Nathan Evaldi last night. And the biggest thing, too, with this team in terms of what they have coming up is they're playing a lot of bottom feeders in the next couple of weeks here. Their schedule was pretty rough to begin the season, and I'm not defending the way they started the year. The offense was not nearly what you expected it to be. The bullpen is still a question, and it's still you only have a couple guys in there that you can depend on. But look at these next five series for the Red Sox. They open up a four-game set with the Mariners coming up tomorrow. Then they play the White Sox, who are 18-18. and 18. The Orioles, the Reds, one of not just the worst team in the sport this year, one of the worst teams we've seen in recent history, and the A's. So out of that group, the next five series for the Red Sox, Only one team has a 500 record, and that's the White Sox. So the way they're hitting the ball and the way they're throwing, it does feel like they're about to make a run here, and that's why tonight's game was so important. Luis Garcia on the other side of things had been phenomenal coming into this start for the Astros, and the Red Sox just completely roughed him up. And I'm pretty convinced that that guy's still using the sticky stuff, by the way. If you watch him tonight, every time he gets a new ball, he's rubbing his damn ponytail. Every time that guy gets a new ball. So even with that, despite the fact that that happened, we all saw what happened in the American League Championship Series a year ago with that guy. The Red Sox still got to him early. And it was the big boys that did it. The big boys have been doing it all season long. The question I have now is can they get Story going? And can they get Kike Hernandez going? And can they get Alex Verdugo going? Because I think we've come to the realization... And by the way, even Franchi Cordero has been pretty good for this team. We've come to the realization that we know that Devers Bogarts and J.D. Martinez are going to do what they've done for the bulk of their career, which is absolutely mashed. The question is those other three guys. Can they get Verdugo going? Can they get Story going? And can they get Kike Hernandez going? They all have different issues right now. You look at a guy like Kike Hernandez hitting way too many balls in the infield. There's only two guys in the sport that are hitting more infield pop-ups than Kike Hernandez. Trevor's story, it's been a swing and miss thing with him. There's always been a lot of swing and miss as it pertains to Trevor's story. And then with Verdugo, it's just way too many damn balls on the ground. His ground ball rate is near 50%, which is absolutely atrocious. He's hitting a lot of rockets. He's in the top 30 in the league entering this week in hard hit balls. The problem is they're all into the ground. So it's those three guys. If they get those three guys going, or even this, if they get two of those three guys going... Then this lineup is going to be almost impossible to pitch to. All right, 617-779-7937, the number. If you want to join us, we're with you up until midnight. And we will keep the Bogarts thing on the table as well. Because Bogarts, of course, earlier this week told Pete Abraham of the Globe that he is open to negotiating during the season. Does it behoove the Red Sox to go to Xander Bogarts with an actual real offer? Because we heard the other night the re-sign Bogarts chance, or I should say the re-sign Xander chance going on, at Fenway Park. So, does it, is this the time where they need to make a real offer to Bogarts? Because we all know they made a fake offer to Bogarts prior to the season. Do they have to do that now? And do you agree with me that this team is about to be going on a run? The number is 617 779 the number. Before we go any further, though, let's hear from the manager, Alex Cora. He,
4: the, the way he was looking at me, I was like, let me stay away. He might kill me. <laughs> uh, he had that look. He had it. Um, from the bullpen, he he came in. He gets into his. He goes somewhere else, and it's not you know mentally. Uh, we we always talk about the starting in Tampa, the one in Chicago, Oakland, and then in the playoffs. And you know, he pitched good against them last year, and uh, it seems like they were late on the fastball. He had a good breaking ball going, a good slider. I mean, amazing. Um, that's, you know, like I was saying, this is why you love baseball, right? You go from what happened last night to a 10-pitcher bat homer, and he looked like, oh, here we go again, and and he did an outstanding job. Yeah, actually, when 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 Walker was throwing the sim game two days ago, Monday, if I'm not mistaken. He was talking about that, like complete games and, you know, training the minor leaguers to, to, to be workhorses, right? Like we, we protect, you know, the guys as soon as they sign. And they even protect them, well, some schools in college. And uh, he was talking about that. I think um, it's the second one, if I'm not mistaken, right? And he, but he was saying that in the minor leagues, I, I guess he threw one or something. And it, the, the conversation was about that, you know, uh, pitch counts and all that. Uh, he always jokes with me that he, here uh, I'm not gonna let him throw a complete game. And today he kind of like will, will will himself to to do that. And you know, the, you see the the swings. They were late. They weren't able to recognize the slider and. Uh, you know, we had our guys ready because it happens fast with that team. you know we've seen it before, so but uh, he was amazing. So
5: did
2: you
4: put on? We were thinking about it. I mean, mixing and matching. Uh, they, they went with the bond first, probably thinking, Castro, if we bring Shriver in that spot, we we're always looking at Michael, that's, that's the guy over there. So uh, I mean, we gave him a chance and he, he did his thing. No, because this stuff was really good. It wasn't like hard contact. Um, you know, the at bat by Guriel, you saw it. You know, he got fooled by the breaking ball. Um, you know, Pena fooled by the breaking ball. Even the last at bat by Altuve, that's his fourth time, and uh, you know, he he got him. So you, know, you still have to manage the game. You know, it's a 5-1 here, Fenway, but uh, he 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 was in control. When you look at the breakdowns, season. First four
5: starts, I think he walked like 13 guys. Last four, he walked one. Yeah. Is it just about
4: control and command? And I, I do believe the, the fastball is 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 playing up there. You know, it is, and he said it from the get go, and we saw it in spring training. I think his first one was a good one, and then after that, he wasn't good. Um, he was off. His timing was off. Uh, um, you know, and then the way he started the season, it wasn't great. We always talk about his velocity, but just command and the way he uses his fastball. And he made some me- mechanics adjustments throughout. And um, you know, today uh, that was that was fun to watch. You know, stay away, stay out of it, don't mess it up, and let him do his thing. That was good. He's obviously a guy How much of his success is he competes hard? He does. He, he competes in everything, and everything is 100 miles per hour every day. You know. Um, in the weight room, just playing basketball with the boys down there, and I mean, he he's he's very intense. But uh thing he's learned uh, throughout the years to control his emotions. Uh, although towards the end, you saw him kind of like you know he saw the finish line, and uh, but he was able to to slow down. Christian did an outstanding job uh, with that visit, right when uh, Brantley was a second and Yuli was up. Went up there, slow him down, made some pitches, and he just kept rolling. So, but, you know, you got to give credit, uh, credit to Christian, you know. But after a, a tough night with them last night and uh, them swinging the bats the way they did and Altuve right away hitting the homer, he was able to slow him down and, and, and
3: get 27 outs. They swung at 58 of his pitches. They whiffed on 19 of them. So that's 33%. And just to put that sort of into context, you understand what I'm talking about here. You look at the elite pitchers in the sport, that whiff rate, 33%. There are only three pitchers in all of Major League Baseball this season with a whiff rate over 33%. And Nick Pavetta just did it to the Houston Astros tonight. And those pitchers, by the way, Corbin Burns, who just won the Cy Young a season ago, Shane McClanahan, we all know who he is, and we all know how nasty he is for the Tampa Bay Rays, and Dylan Cease, who is absolutely filthy as well, although the Red Sox... Saw him, a what, a week and a half ago. Those are the three pitches. That's even higher than Kevin Gosman, Carlos Rodon, Robbie Ray, Max Scherzer. And I get it, it's one start tonight, but it does feel like this is sort of a turn for Nick Pavetta. And even going back to last year, remember what the Red Sox did in the postseason with Pavetta? They put him into the bullpen. He was in that rover role for this team. And in that role last year, Pavetta was great. Remember, in the postseason last year, Pavetta was one of their better pitchers. We'll never forget when he came into that game against the Tampa Bay Rays and he had the primal screams, etc. But coming into this season, there were high expectations on Pavetta. And the fact that he was penciled in because of the injury to Chris Sale prior to the season to be the number two starter, those were high expectations for a guy that just came over here, what, two years ago. You needed to get something out of this guy. And it appeared in the month of April that it was not going to work. Pavetta was absolutely atrocious. And remember, part of the issue was they said he did not have a good spring training. And he needed to work on things in spring training. And it didn't sort of take until this month. So now that you have this guy that can be in the front end of the rotation. Now, look, it's four starts. I get it. I don't want to get completely hyperbolic and overreactionary. But I just feel a lot better over the past two weeks as it pertains to where you're at in terms of the rotation. Really, if you look at it right now, and this is remarkable to even fathom, the worst starting pitcher for the Red Sox right now is Nathan Avaldi. Nathan Avaldi led starters in the American League last year in wins above replacement. This year, he is below replacement level. He is negative 0.5. He is be- below a replacement level pitcher. Walker, it appears he's on his way back, coming back from that oblique, that side issue, whatever it is. So he's on the way back. And then you have Garrett Whitlock, who, yes, he has been better as a reliever. There's no doubt about that. And that's a whole different conversation in terms of the use of Garrett Whitlock. I have been on the side where I think his best use for the 2022 Red Sox is to be in the bullpen. But for whatever reason, they want to keep him in the rotation. It may be what's in the best interest of Garrett Whitlock and the Red Sox long term. But as it pertains to 2022, I just don't see it that way. You have guys like Josh Winkowski. You have guys like Connor Siebold at the minor league level right now in Worcester that could come up and pitch for you. And then you could put Garrett Whitlock back in the bullpen and he could pitch multiple times a week. But he has been okay as a starter. He hasn't been nearly as good as he was as a reliever. I mean, if you just look at it in terms of the win probability added, he's actually added more as a reliever this season in way less innings. So that's obviously something that the Red Sox have got to figure out long term. But I think they're trying to do what's in the best interest of Whitlock and the organization long term and not in 2022, unfortunately. Now, look, maybe it ends up working out long term this season. But the point being, he's been good enough as a starting pitcher. Walk has been outstanding. Rich Hill, who's going to pitch tomorrow, has been great in the month of May. So really, you have one guy that you're concerned about right now in the rotation, and that's the guy that was your best pitcher last season, and one of the best pitchers, quite frankly, in the American League last year. And look, it's definitely a concern. The Ivaldi situation is definitely a concern because this is not one start, this is not two starts, this has been all season long. And if you think about it from Evaldi's perspective, when you go back to what he did a season ago and you kind of juxtapose it to what he did this year, he was getting away with giving up solo home runs. That's the one thing that you can say in terms of Ivaldi is those home runs he was giving up because he doesn't walk anybody, it wasn't as if it was three-run bombs until last night when sort of everything kind of manifested itself and Evaldi was sort of exposed on the mound. He's got to figure it out in terms of the location. He has just way too many pitches that are over the heart of the plate, and even when he throws 97, 98 miles an hour, that's going to be an issue. So that's the one guy. And now the bullpen situation is totally different thing where you got to think about this long term because right now you have Strom who has thrown the ball really well quite frankly he's been one of the best relievers in the sport statistically you have Schreiber who's thrown the ball really well outside of that this is my concern with the team going forward and that's why I think this Whitlock situation is such an interesting thing if you're not going to bring up guys from the minor league level and maybe you will because of the fact that we saw the move that was recently made over the past couple of days or so with Brian Baio Where Bayo goes to Worcester, which means ideally you could bring up one of those two arms that you have in Worcester right now in Connor Seabold or, of course, Josh Winkowski as well. So either one of those guys could be a possibility to come up here and even lengthen the bullpen. I know that Diekman looked good last night, but that's a blowout win. Matt Barnes, I mean, come on, nobody trusts that guy. I mean, this is a guy that was paid to be your closer last year. Pitched in the All-Star game, $18.75 million. You can't trust the guy whatsoever. Ryan Brazier, we went through this one the other night. This guy is legitimately the worst reliever in the sport. And that is not even slightly hyperbolic or slightly an exaggeration in any capacity. He is legitimately the worst reliever in Major League Baseball right now. So you cannot continue to put that guy out there, especially in critical situations where you're trying to pick up wins. You just can't do it anymore. So really, you think about it in terms of where is at, and part of the issue that this team has had this season is he doesn't have faith in those guys. Now, Cora said the other day that he thinks he's closer, or the team, I should say, is closer to where they want to be as it pertains to the bullpen and sort of how he wants to maneuver it. He feels like he's closer now. I guess part of that is that you have a guy like Garrett Whitlock at the rotation. Maybe he thinks that's part of the equation. But right now, to me, that would be my concern. It's great if you're going to win games like you are tonight where you're up 5-1 and your starter can give you nine innings. But we haven't seen a complete game from a Red Sox pitcher in almost two years or more than two years, going back to Chris Sale a couple of years ago. So if that's the case, they have got to figure out a way to, in close games, get big wins because the Red Sox bullpen is 29th in war when you have a team in your division in the Yankees that is second in bullpen war. So that's something that is certainly certainly, rather going to get sorted out. Now, what we expected from this team is they were going to mash, and they didn't do that in April, but they have done that so far in the month of May. So you've had a lot of these blown-out wins. Think about the wins that the Red Sox have sort of piled up over the past week. You go back to the series against the Rangers, 7-1. You go back to the game Saturday night against the Rangers, 11-3. You go back to the game on Monday night against this Astros team after Odorizzi goes down with the injury, you have the rain delay. The Red Sox explode in that eighth inning to sort of take some of the pressure off the bullpen. And you go to tonight's game, you get a 5-1 lead. So really, in none and Pavetta, of course, went the distance, so it's really not as important tonight as it would have been in a different game. But all those four wins that the Red Sox have had over the past weekend change, all those things have one familiar theme. There was legitimately... No pressure on your bullpen whatsoever. Now that is the perfect recipe for this team. That's the way that you want to win games if you're the Red Sox. Is just blow teams out so then your biggest weakness, you don't even put it in a position where that bullpen can be exposed. But when you play more games in the division, not this five-game stretch that you have coming up or five-series stretch if you're there would be a better way to put it. The Mariners, the Reds, the Orioles, the White Sox. The White Sox are the one good team in that bunch. But the A's are in that bunch as well in terms of those five teams that you have coming up. Those are the, o- the only team that is really has a chance at the postseason this year is going to be the Chicago White Sox. So it's not going to be as important over the next week and two weeks, if you will. But once you get back to playing teams in your division, the Rays... The Blue Jays. Now, the Blue Jays are having a very similar problem to the Red Sox. Their bullpen has been an absolute disaster this season as well. And quite frankly, their rotation outside of Gosman has not been great either. I mean, the one guy, Berrios, pitched well yesterday. But overall, Berrios has not been particularly good for this team whatsoever. So that's part of the equation as well. Just when you look at the division and you need to win those close games, when you have a team like the Yankees, who have arguably the best bullpen in the sport, A team like the Rays that we know, they always have a good bullpen. Those are the type of games that you're going to need your bullpen to sort of be organized. So this stretch here where they're playing a lot of teams that aren't good, a lot of trash teams here, they can pick up some of those wins. But I'm wondering over the next couple of weeks and so, if they're going to find some arms that they can rely on outside of Schreiber and outside of Strom. And even with Schreiber, I like what he's done. That four-seamer that he throws is really difficult to pick up because he comes from an odd angle and all that, but I can't say I completely trust the guy. I mean, he's pitched really well for this team since he's come up, but it's not like he has a pedigree, right? It's not like this guy has a track record of really throwing the ball well as a major league performer. We just—he hasn't had a lot of experience. So we've seen this before with certain guys that'll come up. Like, think about it, for example, Brazier was great in 18. Then he wasn't good in 19. He was good last year, and he stinks this year. So I just— It's difficult for me unless a guy has a track record to completely trust somebody in the bullpen. The one guy that I would look at and say this is the one guy I can say definitively has the talent and needs to perform at a high level, that's Tanner Houck. Now, the Tanner Houck situation is a problem. He has not been the same pitcher that he was a season ago. All his numbers across the board are way down. Strikeout rate down from 30% last year down to about 25%. The walk rate was at about 7% last year, 7.4%. That's up to almost 13% this season. So the command has not been there. The swing and miss stuff has not been there. And not to get too into the weeds on this, but the horizontal break on his slider is about two inches from where it was a season ago, which is obviously a big concern because the slider is his best pitch which I don't know why all of a sudden he's having issues with his slider. That was his bread and butter. That was one of the best pitches last year, you could argue, in all of Major League Baseball. So that's something that he's got to figure out how he can get back. Because if Tanner Houck can be the guy that we saw for most of last year, remember, this guy saved the ALDS. If it isn't for Tanner Houck in that game against Tampa Bay in Game 2, relieving Chris Sale, the Red Sox are down 0-2, and you're not beating Tampa Bay three games in a row, that wasn't going to happen. So this guy was capable last year, of saving your season, and this year, shockingly, he's been a non-entity. And I would argue that out of those guys in the bullpen, I'm sorry, I never had faith in Barnes. Did you really think Barnes is going to be good this year? That's why I put that on Bloom more so than anything else. The one reliever that Bloom has paid, he stinks. The guy sucks. I have no idea why they thought this guy was all of a sudden going to turn his career around after what we saw last year. First of all, I had no faith in the guy after we get to a position where you get to the trading deadline, and what does Matt Barnes say? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm good with bringing in Craig Kimbrell. That's not a closer's mentality. That's not what you want to hear. Like, the fact that Bogart says, I'm a shortstop, I respect that, even if some of the advanced metrics would tell you maybe he's not the best shortstop in the world. But I like the fact that he said, no, I want to be the shortstop. With a guy like Matt Barnes, the fact that right after he gets paid, all his numbers go down dramatically, or I should say go up dramatically with a pitcher. Nonetheless, you get the point. You get what I'm trying to say here. But him saying, yeah, I'm okay with bringing in Craig Campbell. I mean, come on. So I never had faith in that guy whatsoever. I feel like Davis has thrown the ball well. Actually entering tonight the only two pitchers in terms of the Red Sox bullpen arms outside of Schreiber because he's barely been up. He doesn't really qualify. The only two guys that are in the positive and win probability added are Matt Strom and Austin Davis. So I give Davis credit. He's thrown the ball well overall, but the one guy that you look at right now in terms of that group that you can say, okay, yeah, that guy can be a major contributor as Hulk. And I need an explanation on what the hell has happened at Tanner Hulk this season. Sorry, I don't mean to get so worked up about this early on in the show because I'm excited about the way that has thrown the ball. I'm excited about Waka coming back. I'm excited about the way Rich Hill's thrown the ball. I really enjoy watching that guy pitch. He's going to be back on the mound tomorrow, but I just look at this team and we all know there's no way around it. They have significantly underachieved And it's games like this, and it's a week like this where you're reminded, okay, it's still really early in the season. You're playing a bunch of bad teams coming up in the next couple weeks or so. So when you add all those components together, they can make a run. I'm just looking ahead saying I'm a little bit concerned if they don't get this bullpen situation sort of ironed out. All right, 617-779-7937, the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. A lot more to get into if we hear from Nick Pavetta, we'll try to pass that along to you as well after a complete game tonight where he gives up one run, the first batter of the game, Jose Altuve, a home run, shuts him down after that. So are you buying into this version of Pavetta? Are you buying into Nick Pavetta, who all of a sudden has incredible command and only walked one guy tonight? That's on the table. What are your biggest concerns with this team right now? Does Heimblum need to make a move to help this bullpen? And if you do want to weigh in on the Bogart situation, you can. Do you expect the Red Sox to make him an offer? Coming up next, though, one other reason I'm optimistic about this team making a run. I'll tell you what that is next here an EI. Call
1: from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
0: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game.
4: You have 47 new voicemails.
2: Put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com, rules and restrictions may apply.
5: Yeah, I I didn't want to come out Um, after the last game. Um, I felt like I could go the extra two innings, pick up the bullpen a little bit. Um, you know, I felt good. I felt confident, I was in the zone, they weren't taking great hacks against me, so I just kind of ran, ran with that. It's not really much, to be honest with you, it's just a solo home run, it happens all the time. You're gonna give up, a starting is gonna give up 25 to 28, I think, a year. So it just happens, you just, I'm competing in the zone, I'm doing my job, he battled me, I just wanted the AB to be over, so I just competed with the pitch in the zone, and he, he's a good hitter and he put a good swing on it. After that, I was just get back in the zone, get ahead of guys, and just start moving forward. to the, it a a considering how, you know, the rest of the yeah, it's been feeling a lot better lately. Uh, having Rich here, it's helped me out uh, a lot. You know, just kind of talking about the pitch, uh, what he does, how he's had success, how he uses it, and just having confidence in the pitch and using it more. It's uh, utilizing it more in the zone, but allows my fastball up to play more and, and allows me to just uh, command the zone a little more.
3: All right, welcome back in. Brian Barrett with you all the way up until midnight, Rather, we're coming from... From the Ford Clubhouse Fenway Studio. First show of the year from here. Tyler Devitt joining us from the afternoon show. And Tyler was at the game tonight. Are you as impressed as I am with the way that Pavetta has just completely turned his season around?
1: As somebody who owned Nick Pavetta in the month of April, which you've noted many times, he was one of the worst pitchers in the all-baseball in April. I had him in my fantasy squad in April. Dropped him after like four starts because he was just miserable. He wasn't effective with any of his pitches. He was wild. He wasn't getting through six innings, so you had no no chance at a quality start. So as a fantasy baseball owner,
3: you dropped him. I, I dropped him. I had, wow. to cut,
1: I had to cut him loose after four or five starts. He your, was not effective.
3: Well, Tyler, you have no faith in the man. Okay, he's turned his season around and look. You what can't you say did. You, you did that for the first no, month. I definitely did. not I mean, they penciled this guy in to be the number two starter in the rotation, and he just he sucked. And I don't know how this happens. Like it's, I'm not going to make the comparison to like the Celtics turning their season around midway through the year because this is. Four starts and he turns it around in the month of May, but I'm just impressed with the way he's done it. Like, I could see Pavetta throwing the ball better and being more productive, but I didn't see him going from a guy that walks 13 guys at April and walks one guy, doesn't walk a guy again tonight in the month of May. And I feel like there's a maturity now, he says tonight, where that El Tuve at bat, that's an outing that gets away from Pavetta earlier in the season. That's a 10 pitch at bat. He battles El Tuve, he loses the battle. El Tuve takes him deep, and then he's able to respond after that. Even at that inning, a couple more hard-hit balls, he's able to find a way to bounce back in the second inning. So it's definitely a major development for this team that they now have a guy in Pavetta that it feels like right now you can rely on, not to mention the fact that you just saved the bullpen for the weekend. You didn't use your two best relievers, your only reliable relievers in my mind, in Schreiber and in Matt Strom. Those guys are up. And they didn't have to use him, which is obviously a major thing.
1: So you mentioned uh, Pavetta turning it around. It's almost like how bad Brazier was uh, this uh, this far this year. He was so damn good in the playoffs last year, as was Pavetta. And both of them were so disappointing coming out. And the turnaround for him, which we're still waiting to see Brazier, if he can ever do it, which I've lost all faith in that guy. I don't want to see him again. Even though he didn't pitch tonight, you didn't need him at all. But it was a good day for him to take off, as well as some other guys like Barnes, Sawamura, getting that bullpen some extra days off. Uh, Did you notice that this was the uh, first time this season, Brian Barrett, the Red Sox have won back-to-back series?
3: Yeah.
2: Back-to-back series
3: win the first time. Cue the duck boats, man. Yeah. so It's May 18th. And they hadn't won a series, right, since the Tiger series. Their second series of the year. And then they beat the Rangers two out of three over the weekend, which, I mean, that does come back to the issue of the bullpen. Where you have an opportunity to sweep that series. Look, now maybe the lineup never wakes up in that game on Sunday afternoon. But the reality is, it's a lot different facing Devers and Bogarts and J.D. Because remember, in that game on Sunday, core put all his big bats in there. All the big guys were in there in terms of the lineup. You had your big guys out there. Even Verdugo came back from the injury because it was his birthday. I don't know if that's the real reason. But Cora said that prior to the game. And you go into that eighth inning, and it's 5-1. to You go into the ninth inning, and it's 7-1 to because Brazier gives up a four spot. He gives up a pair of bombs. So that's why it does come back to this Brazier situation in the bullpen. And that game in particular, I can blame a lot of the issues that this team has had this season as it pertains to the personnel and the lack of arms in the bullpen on the guy running the team in Heimblum. But I have got to find a way to figure out why Cora still uses Brazier in a spot like that. There's plenty of other arms you can go to. I don't know why Cora still thinks that Brazier is good. And I'd like them to show some damn urgency and say, enough with Brazier. Like I'm not going to wait for this guy to turn his season around. You're already doing that with Barnes. You're already doing that with Jake Diekman. And you're not going to get rid of those guys because you're paying Barnes and you're paying Diekman, you're barely paying Brazier. That's the guy that you have to say, if you're going to experiment with all these guys and try to get them right, Brazier's the guy that you go to abort mission because he's the one you're not paying.
1: But maybe it's the point where it's kind of like uh, Alex Cora was using him in such high leverage situations last year in the playoffs that it's hard to forget about how damn good he was in the playoffs last year. Like He was unhittable. And now to the point where he's, like you said, there's many metrics that show he's one of the worst relievers in the sport. So it's in the back of your mind, you're like, how could there be this much of a drop-off to where he was unhittable to now everyone, everyone in the sport can hit him and hit him at a launch angle that's going to put it out into the bleachers almost every time someone gets a hit. It's unbelievable.
3: Oh, but- and it, it's just so bad to watch, Tyler, because you know what's going to happen. Before he goes out in the mound the other day, you knew he was giving it up. He, he's done it all season long. You, he, I mean, you mentioned some of the numbers. He's dead last amongst relievers in hard hit rate. So he's giving up the most hard hit balls In all of Major League Baseball, over 95 miles an hour. He's been barreled up more than anybody else in the sport. His expected slugging percentage, based on the contact, is the worst in the sport. So a 1-1 game, you can't put that guy out there. And as this team is trying to get back in the hunt, that's sort of the thing that aggravates you, right? You win the blowout games, but when it's a close game, you go to that guy. So just kind of going forward with this team, they have got to find a way to avoid those situations for themselves because of the fact that you don't have enough arms back there. So if we're going to live with this bullpen as of right now, I can't have the team going to that guy. And that's why I feel like you're going to take that weapon or lack of a weapon away from court. Just get rid of the guy. Don't use him anymore and don't keep him on the team anymore because he doesn't serve a purpose. You have plenty of other guys that you can have be sacrificial lambs and go out there and blow up blowouts rather one way or the other. This guy's got to be gone because it's an issue on this team, and I can't imagine the guys behind him have any faith he's going to turn it around.
1: No, absolutely none, and Lou's been talking about it on his show, and he was actually on a a, a podcast with Jared Karabas last night, and I heard him talking about it. He's like, when well, I would play in games in, in Cleveland or with the uh, Anaheim Angels back in the day, and we had nobody out in the bullpen, and we had a lead in the sixth or seventh inning, we turn around and see, like, oh no, this guy's warming up. For this team, that's a Murrow that's a Brazier, that's a Barnes. And when he's coming in, the defense knows bad things are going to happen. You see it as a fan, as a broadcaster, when Brazier comes in, you expect the worst. How do the people on the field not also have the same expectations? Of course, you didn't see it tonight, but if, right. I, were to, if I were to ask you, you have, uh, you have Strom, you have Schreiber. Who is the third guy going forward that you have the most faith in?
3: Davis. I'd say Davis. Davis? Yeah. He's been good this season, and he's pitched better against righties, but it's not somebody that I'm like... Completely trusting long term, but that would be my third guy right now because I don't trust Hulk. Hulk's had major issues so far this season. All right, 617 779, 7937, the number. We're with you up until midnight. A lot more to get into. We will get into the Bogart situation, and I believe there's one guy on this team that needs Bogart sign more so than anybody else. Plus, I'll give you my one other concern, or actually, my one thing I'm feeling positive about right now. I'll do that next, Ernie.